step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When Nigel Farage told the European Parliament that the UK would leave the European Union, they all laughed at him. Well, look who's laughing now. And look who's in our studio. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back to Verdicts with Ted Cruz. I'm Michael Knowles. We are joined by a now unemployed member of the European (laughs) Parliament. Nigel Farage, thank you for being here. And Senator Cruz, I have to thank you for not only being a number one podcaster in America, but also apparently a very good booking producer because you brought your friend Nigel along. Well, and, and this was pure happenstance. So, so, so Nigel came and, and joined the Republican Conference for lunch. And, and he was talking to us about Brexit. He was talking about his incredible leadership and in bringing that about. It was absolutely fascinating. And so I walked up to him afterwards and said, well, well look, we're, we're doing this podcast. Can you come join us? And boom, here he is. I am so glad that you were able to come because this is going to sound like a very stupid question. But I thought in 2016, the UK votes for Brexit, they're going to leave the EU. Then for some reason, it doesn't happen. 2017, 2018, 2019. Now we're in 2020. It finally happens. What is the Brexit? And and even what is the European Union? Well, it's a great question. And, and thanks, guys. It's great to be here. I, you know... I spent most of my business life before politics working for American companies. So I know a lot of Americans, a lot of smart, well-off Americans, and they've never quite got what the European Union was. (laughs) They kind of thought it was a bit like NAFTA. But it isn't. The European Union is a political union, and a member state that joins it gives up its sovereignty, gives up the authority of its Supreme Court to another court somewhere else, accepts the fact that most of its laws, rules, and regulations are made somewhere else, 
and that the electors in a general election cannot vote to change any of that legislation. You effectively become, we became a satellite of this new entity called the EU. And of course, they've got their own flag. They've got their own anthem. And guess what? The people who run it, the commissioners, are not voted for by the people and can't be removed by the people. Now, this happened slowly. It evolved over time. It was sold to us as being, this This is simple. It's trade. It's good for business. Just an economic yeah, And don't worry your little heads about it. It'll yeah. all be fine. Um, and, and, you know, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I looked at this and thought, what the hell? I mean, what did we, what did we fight two world wars for if it wasn't for us to be free, independent, sovereign people? And that was where my crusade started. So it was a political union. And Brexit, I'll tell you what Brexit is in one word, independence. Hmm. You know, simple as that. Simple as that. There is a kind of parallel over here, I think, because it's not just that there's this fight for sovereignty, this this fight for having your own nation that's going on in the UK. It's happening throughout Europe, and it's it's happening here in the United States. Well, it's the same battle, isn't it? It's, it's actually really interesting because you know the other side call us nationalists. Yeah. You know, we're all very narrow-minded, and, and and we hate everybody around the world. <laughs> and and the truth of it is that actually, what's going on here? is there is a movement, a movement of those of us who believe that the nation state run democratically is the right model by which we should live. Hmm. And that within that framework, we trade with each other, we cooperate with each other, we share defense, intelligence, and do many other things with each other. Um, and, and I find it fascinating that, that it's almost like a family of us coming together who are fighting back against, and it, you know, it is called globalism, and they want to do away with the nation state. They want us to be ashamed of our countries rather than proud of them. And they want a massive transfer of power from democracy to bureaucracy. And the great thing is, the great thing is, and it started in 2016, and let me just say this, we nearly always copy everything you guys do. Right? <laughs> well, thank you. I'm flattered. Any, anything America does, we follow. Good <laughs> things and bad things. But, you know, trends, fashions, whatever it is, we always follow you guys. This time, you followed us. Brexit came first. The Trump revolution came afterwards. And the reason we're sitting here talking about this, and three and a half years went by, is because the establishment refused to accept the result of the referendum. Right. And we have had the most titanic political battle in our country since the 17th century to make sure the will of the people actually got obeyed. And you know what? On the 31st of January... At 11 p.m., <laughs> and I, I was there in Parliament Square. There were 100,000 people there. And, you know, you guys think the English are very reserved. They weren't at 11 o'clock <laughs> on that night. And people were cheering and going mad. Um, and we've got You're our independence. You're saying perhaps a pint or two was flowing. <laughs> well, I think I was certainly downwind of a couple. But, <laughs> but and, and, and this is a major historic moment. Yes. I don't think it's just an historic moment for the United Kingdom. Yeah. I, listen, this is the beginning of the end of the European Union. Do you think this this will lead to other countries leaving? Absolutely. And with the end of the European Union, we get the end of the globalist project. Now, mm. that doesn't mean they won't always keep on fighting. They will, because you will always get, you know, through history, mankind, those that want to dominate everybody else. But this is this is a big moment in our history. So let's let's stop for a minute and let let's go back to to, to how this came to pass. Um, when when did the UK join the EU? And 
how did Brexit start? When when did you yeah. arrive in the European Parliament? And, and, and t- take us back to the beginning of the Brexit movement, not today, but where it got started. Okay. In 1870, the Germans... By the way, I love when I say take us back. We, <laughs> we go, go to 1870. 1870. That, that, yeah. Well, that's almost modern. We're talking about a pretty old country. We, we, we've been here. around a long time. like America, <laughs> you know. Yeah. 1870. Look, in the United States, when we say take us back, it's to 7.30 a.m. So <laughs> yeah. that, you know. 1870, the Germans invade across the Rhine. Mm-hmm. 1914, the Germans invade across the Rhine. 1940, the Germans invade <laughs> across the Rhine. Sing a pattern. Rhine. Hold on. Now, there is a very bad joke I'm going to tell you. I asked a restaurateur in Strasbourg once. I said, do you get many Germans here? Oh, we said, you know, they pop by once every 25 years or so. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the point. Hard to park the tanks. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But here's the point. You know, this this endless battle over territory between France and Germany led to two world wars, led to hundreds of millions of deaths. And the thinking post-war was we need to get the French and Germans together round the table to break bread. And the truth of it is, the more business, the more trade we do with each other, the less likely we are to hate each other right. and fight each other. So the original concept that we have a Europe that comes together was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those innocent beginnings turned into the attempt to build a new state. Right, to build, and they wanted their own military. Didn't and, they? and they now want their own army, they want their own air force, and all the rest of it. And so what they've done is the, the, the ancient nations of Europe are now being you know, consumed, having their identities taken away, their democracies taken away. Um, and Mrs. Thatcher, Mrs. Thatcher, who initially had gone along with the European project, believing that it was about trade. She was your version of Ronald Reagan. Well, same absolutely. time, same Absolutely. Time. And, you know, I mean, listen, when Margaret took over the United Kingdom, we were a socialist country. Yeah. We had top-rate income tax of 83%. I mean, it's almost hard to believe the state we got into. Well, and as she explained then, uh, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other, other people's people. money. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. W- which is a message, by the way, Bernie Sanders and some American politicians could do to learn. Oh, I love Bernie Sanders. I am, you I, love I, him. I, I love, you love Bernie him. Why, why do you love Bernie? I want to give some money to his campaign. I, <laughs> no, listen, if Bernie is the nominee, then you guys are just going to walk it in November. 57 yeah. states. We're going to win I, I, I Greenland. I hope so. Yeah. But 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 I will say God help us if he wins in November. Yeah, but the truth is, and we're seeing this across the whole of the Western world, yeah. that the left parties are going further left. Yeah. Right. They 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 delight mm-hmm. their own echo chamber. Right. But actually the middle of our countries looks at this stuff and says, Do you know what? We're not having this. So I think Bernie would be very, very Well, good you know, I actually this brings up an interesting point. I want to get to something where I think you agree on most of it but I think you disagree a little bit on some of the particulars. And that is moving past Brexit to the Huawei controversy. Yeah, okay. Let, let, let me just finish off. Okay. In, in 1988, Margaret Thatcher sussed what the European project was. She sussed it, Yeah. all right? Because the European community was about to change its name to the European Union. Mm-hmm. And Margaret sussed it. She blew the whistle and they got rid of her because of it. They got rid of her because of it. Because all the big business... All the big banks and all the big money wanted it to go in that direction. And ever since she was gone, the Conservative Party in Britain ceased to be conservative. Hmm. Ceased to be conservative. And and, 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 literally gave away your sovereignty. It's it's, it's a word you used earlier that I think goes really to the heart of what this is about. 
which is who's in charge. And, and, and the most fundamental notion, the American Constitution begins with the words, we the people. Yep. Because sovereignty belongs to the people. And, and look, as I look at, at, at the EU, this, the sense I make of Brexit is the British people should decide the laws for Britain and not the damn French and not the Germans and not anybody else. And, and that's, that's yeah. basic and, and sovereignty. That's so, who's in charge. Not some anonymous bureaucrat. And of course, what we haven't even mentioned is we lost control of our borders yeah. as well. So in the early 90s, you know, I joined, I started, I hope to start a rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> and the rebellion was against the entire British establishment. It was against the Labour Party. It was against big business. Yeah. But it was against the Conservative Party. And, and as well. how far out was it at the time? Like when you started it, how much of a, with all due respect, of a loon <laughs> did they think you were? Oh, people used to say, I don't know what you're smoking, Nigel, but I'd like some of it. You know. uh, we it's were, been a long battle, We were considered long. crazy. I campaigned all through the 1990s. Um, and I think at many times during that period, you know, beginning to look a bit like the patron saint of lost causes. But <laughs> I first got elected to the EU chamber in 1999. So nearly 21 years uh, I was there until January the 31st. And we just slowly but surely developed momentum. Um, and in the end, in the end, in 2014, in the European elections, I led UKIP. We won the election. UKIP's the UK Independence UK Party. Party. It was the first time since 1906 that a party had won a national election that wasn't Labour or Conservative. It was a, a shockwave. And David Cameron was the Prime Minister. And he could see that I was destroying his conservative party. <laughs> I mean, in the country. Because he wasn't that conservative. On anything. Right. And so in the end, in the end, in, in, in an effort to save himself and to save the conservative party, he said, we'll give you a referendum. That's how it, that's how it came to be. As I say, we had the referendum. We won the referendum. I thought it was all done and dusted. I thought, great, fabulous. I can get on with the rest of my life. <laughs> we then got betrayed again. Um, because they didn't give you the Brexit that the people voted for. They just didn't want to deliver yeah. it. They didn't want to deliver it. And 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 so then we had to refight the battle again in 2019, uh, which I did. Uh, I set up the Brexit party. And within six weeks of founding it, I won the European elections. <laughs> and the Conservative Party got less than 10% of the vote. Their worst result in 200 years. And the very next morning, before the results were out, Theresa May resigned as Prime Minister. So I can say with some... You know, it's sort of quite a boast, I suppose, that I have got rid of two British prime ministers. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've got Boris. And the EU. And now we've got Boris. And, you know, at the moment, he's keeping all his promises. Mm -hmm. At the moment, the negotiating position is right. So that's good. I, I couldn't be happier with that. I mean... So, so N Nigel, help, help, help an American understand why Brexit matters to the man in the street. Why Brexit matters to a British shopkeeper. What's, what's different in your life as a result well, of Brexit? Well, first and foremost, you know, if you believe in your nation and if you believe in your flag and if you believe in your identity and you believe in your history and you believe in what your grandparents' generation did for freedom and liberty, not just in your country, but in the rest of Europe too, then the desire to be independent, the, the, the desire to be free uh, is something, Ted, you can't put a price on. Sure. Mm -hmm. You sure. can't put a price on. Now, if I'm running a small business... Um, and don't forget, Napoleon called us a nation of shopkeepers once. <laughs> you know, he thought, funny, isn't it? Which I consider high praise. Well, isn't it <laughs> 200 years ago, the, thre the French thought it was an insult to say the British were full of entrepreneurs. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I'm running that business, all right, every rule 
and regulation that affects me, from employment law to health and safety at work to environmental law, whatever it may be. All of that law has been coming to me from the European Union. Mm-hmm. And there's no political party I can vote for at elections <laughs> that will change there's that. There's no accountability that they could now, possibly have. with Brexit, we can have proper fights, proper mm-hmm. arguments, proper debates about how many people should come into our country, what we should do with environmental law. So actually, if I'm that shopkeeper... You mean you actually have democracy now. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Isn't it remarkable? You know, And to think that, to think that you know, Westminster, that amazing palace of Westminster that we, and, and called by so many, the mother of parliaments, had given all that away. Well, and Nigel, look, this is a consistent pattern in Britain, in the U.S. Leftists hate democracy mm. because when the people can choose, they don't choose what the leftists no, want. Ever. <laughs> so, so, so they want an institution they can dominate of faceless, soulless bureaucrats yes. to govern and rule. This is about power and who yeah. has power. But also, also about their sort of supposed moral authority because they think they're better people than us. Yes. They genuinely mm-hmm. think they're better people than us. Right. They, they really, know better. They know better how to run our lives than we, the peasants. Well, do. this and is that's why, what it comes yeah, down yeah. to. When yeah. Brexit happened, it was so interesting because Americans loved it. American conservatives mm. were cheering you on. Mm. I mean, we were so excited. And I thought, all right, tell us about your farewell speech. Oh, yes. So so I've done two farewell speeches because the first was in 2016 after the referendum. And that was when I that was what I got up. I thought, well, maybe today they'll treat me with some respect. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I got up and 500 people started booing and jeering. And that was when I thought I'm going to let it. I'm just going to let them have a lot today. Uh, that's, and that's when I said when I came here 18 years ago, I said to you, I would lead a campaign to take Britain out of the European Union. And you all laughed at me. Well, I said, you're not laughing now, are you? <laughs> but 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 the last the last last speech, um, which we knew was the end, probably the end. And I thought, look, you know, let's uh, let's let let's leave, let's go, sort of a little bit cheerfully. So we had our little union jacks, and we're saying goodbye. <laughs> and the humorless faceless, ghastly bureaucratic woman who was in the chair <laughs> cut my microphone off. So you're waving the British flag. As, and, yeah. and, and, and it's it, it's almost like you're holding a cross up to vampires. Absolutely. I mean, I mean they're <laughs> yeah. recoiling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want yeah, to know. Because they hate the nation state. They want to abolish the nation state. <laughs> so anyway, she cut the microphone off, which has never happened to me in 21 years mm-hmm. there. And we will not cut your microphone off. And, not here, you. not on this show. Well, not yet, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, and... They, and and, and she said, oh, you're leaving anyway. Take your flags and go. And you know something? That's what we did. We did exactly We took that. our flags and we left. Senator, I want to know from your perspective as an American, as an American senator, what Brexit means for us. Because I think we were cheering it on in many ways because so many of the frustrations you're describing, we feel here in America. Look, I, I, I think it is a powerful statement of sovereignty and of independence. It is shaking off the yokes of a tyrannical government that's not listening to the people. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, I think back to, to, to when you had the referendum and, and, and Barack Obama came oh, over there oh. and lectured the British people. He condescended. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. You talk about yeah. thinking you're someone's intellectual better. Mm. Barack Obama, mm. just like the mandarins that run the EU, mm. believed he was the moral and intellectual better. And, and I remember thinking, gosh, that can't be good for, for the forces that want to stay in the EU to have Obama 
condescending and hectoring the it, British voters. It was, it was the way it was. There was a big BBC interview and it was the way he just looked down his nose at the country mm -hmm. that has been your closest friend and ally yeah. for a hundred years with whom we've spent much blood and yeah. treasure, you know, and been through some tough times and some good times together. It was shocking. It was shocking. We would go to the back of the line if we dared to leave the EU. And, and, and see, and see, I'll admit it at, at the time. So I was rooting for Brexit, but mm -hmm. I kept my mouth shut at it because <laughs> it wasn't my responsibility. Right. What I said at the time yeah. is, you know what? This is a determination for the British people. Yeah. If they choose to leave the EU, that's a decision of national sovereignty. They have the right to make that choice. But who am I to tell them how they should decide mm -hmm. this? This mm -hmm. is a decision mm -hmm. for the British people. And you know what? We wouldn't appreciate Boris Johnson coming over and telling us how to run our country. And, right. and so we shouldn't we should show you that same respect. It was a big mistake. It was a huge miscalculation. Cameron thought it was the absolute ace card in the pack. <laughs> in fact, the British people were revolted by Obama. Uh -huh. uh, and I think he sort of added one about one percent to our score. So we're quite grateful. <laughs> I mean, look, Thanks, you know, Obama. going on from here. I mean, look, you know, we we're the biggest investor in the USA. We're the biggest overseas investor in your country. You're the biggest overseas investor in our country. We share a language. All right, I know we sound a bit different, but we share a language. <laughs> Not everyone can have as refined an accent as we <laughs> Americans have. And we have, quite. And we have an amazing shared history although, together. Uh, although there is the complaint from my fair lady of why can't the British teach their children how to speak? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have shared intelligence, we have been, you're the big guys, but without the two of us, NATO wouldn't even exist, yep. all right? And, and going on, there's some real work to do on organizations like NATO. Um, and so there's so many opportunities now between us. You know, we should be buying Levi's jeans and Harley Davidson's without tariffs, and you should be buying Jaguar motor cars and Scottish whiskey without tariffs. I, mean, <laughs> I could cheers I mean, to that, know, absolutely. I mean, it's not difficult. You, you didn't bring any Scotch whiskey. No, 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 not today. <laughs> I do. But, I, but, but, but here's the problem. Here's the problem, and you touched on it earlier. Despite my being joyous at where we are and at, with Brexit, and I now want to go out around the rest of Europe um, and spread the rebellion, because uh, I, I, I now want Europe to leave the EU, and uh, that's my next By the way, who's next? Well, that depends. Uh, that depends. Um, on the economics of it, it could be it could be Italy or Greece. The next mm -hmm. time we have a serious economic downturn, because they're in the wrong currency. Right. I mean, the euro is great for Germany. Yeah, <laughs> it's great for Germany. Not so great for Italy because they've got a devalued currency, effectively. So it's very good for them selling you know motor cars into America and everything right. else. Well, you were and, also and, and, sharing the frustrations of of the Eastern European countries. Well, I was, and this is so. This is interesting. You know, the West of Europe, uh, led culturally by the French, has become fanatical about multiculturalism and a whole series of very, very woke type issues. Mm -hmm. Listen, these Hungarians and these Poles are very traditional countries, very Christian countries, mm -hmm. very proud of their identity. I mean, goodness me, these countries have suffered under communism, yeah. Nazism, right. millions of their people have been exterminated. Soviet tanks are a real memory for you know, an awful lot oh, of those citizens. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's only 30 years ago right. that they broke free. Yeah. And suddenly you've got bureaucrats in Brussels telling them, who can sit on their high court at what to do about gay marriage and many other issues. So, so you know, you've got the economic north-south split, you've got the cultural east-west split. I don't know who's next. All I do know is that the phenomenal opportunities that we've got to bring back together the English-speaking peoples mm -hmm. of the world. I mean, this is what Churchill used to talk about. And you know what? He was absolutely right then, and it's absolutely right now. 
but but I do fear that Boris Johnson's decision to allow Huawei into our in in in, in helping to build our new five G. Huawei network, is this Chinese technology company. Yeah, it's a Chinese technology company. But 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 here's the point: there's no such thing in China as a private company. Right. <laughs> you know, this is a communist state, a a, a, a communist dictatorship. Um, and so Boris's decision on Huawei at the minute um, has put things on hold. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, for example, there is no. There is no date in the diary for Boris Johnson to come and visit Trump at the White House. Now, this, mm. should, this should have been happening mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Uh, I even worry uh, that with Huawei on the scene, whether Congress at the moment would even pass. Because the, the well, issue... Well, and, 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 and let me, could, could you explain they, they, they should be separate, yeah. but are they? Yeah, so let me explain this a little bit. Huawei is this giant telecom company that is owned and controlled by the Chinese government. The Chinese government is investing billions in building a global surveillance network. And, and they come to countries all over the world and, and, and they offer incredibly cheap telecom yeah, equipment. And, and, and it's a little bit like the drug dealer that shows up at a junior high and says, Psst, just try this. <laughs> that, that, that's what Huawei is doing. Wow. And the, prob- the reason they're doing it, they're not doing it to make money. They're doing it to install surveillance equipment. Britain, unfortunately, just announced that they're going to install Huawei equipment on some of their telecom uh, infrastructure. The One of the big problems with that, so there is this thing called Five Eyes. Now, what, what does Five Eyes mean? Five Eyes is an alliance of five countries, the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. And we share the most sensitive intelligence and security. So if we intercept communications between the Russians and, and the Chinese, we share that right. amongst ourselves. Now, here's the problem from, from, from U.S. national security perspective. If Huawei equipment is installed in the U.K., we've got a serious problem sharing our intelligence with, with the U.K. And listen, we are strong friends of the British. We will remain strong friends of the British. But, but if, if, if I hope the British government reverses its decision on Huawei, and if they don't, I think we will have to reevaluate the Five Eyes relationship. And I'll tell you right now, four eyes are better than six eyes. Right, right. You don't want that sixth eye. That's in China. a great quote, and I'm going to take that home with me. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure through British media and British conservative politicians understand and hear that message loud and clear. This is a mistake. It needs to be reversed. And, we love and, and trust the British, yeah. but we we're not interested in having our most sensitive intelligence. intercepted by the Chinese and read by the Chinese communist government. You know, we have just about a minute left, and I'm sorry, we haven't even gotten to the most important issue. I know this is the one we've been on the edge of our seats about. We've talked about Brexit. We have to talk about Mexico. (laughs) Meghan Markle breaking up your royal family. Look, you know, Harry, he's not had the easiest of lives. You know, the mother (laughs) dying and 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 some tough things happening. Uh, he, He found his way in the world. He joined the army. He loved the army. Uh, he did two tours of Afghanistan. <clears throat> he held some very distinguished positions, Captain General of our Royal Marines and many other things. And then he married Meghan. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you're born into wealth and privilege in the royal family, you're also born into duty. Right. And they told the Queen they wanted to keep the royal titles, go to the West Coast to LA and make money, not do any royal engagements. They wanted to, as we say in England, have their cake and eat it. Right. And the Queen, at nearly 94 years old, has put her foot down and said... God save the Queen. And said, you no longer can call yourselves his and her Royal Highness. You no longer 
effectively are members of the royal family. You are private citizens. Now get on an aeroplane and go off to the West Coast, go off to Vancouver Island, go off to LA, because we don't want you here anymore. <laughs> Isn't the Queen truly wonderful? She is so wonderful. I was She's can, wonderful. Because we, we couldn't have. We couldn't have our monarchy being devalued like this. And, and become so yeah, crass. Let me ask you, on a personal level, how genuinely pissed do you think they are at each other? Oh, listen, the Queen is old enough to have lived through um, our disastrous short reign of Edward VIII, who, of course, as, as we found out later, was a Nazi sympathizer mm -hmm. and many other things. Um, and the royal family got rid of him, uh, banished him. He lived in Paris for the rest right. of his life. Uh, and I think she takes the view that Harry and Meghan, if they stayed in the United Kingdom, would do the royal family immense damage. And for anyone that's watched The Crown in a couple of years' time, this would be the best episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, well, I will say, though, seeing them pal around with, 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 with Hollywood liberals, oh, yeah. I, I apologize for, for the impact <laughs> of our country on corrupting your royals. This is the, the well, second you, American Well, you know revolution. what? You're welcome to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've at least touched on the most important topic, I think we have got to let you go. Thank you. Nigel Farage, thank you so much for being here. Senator, thank you for uh, having such illustrious friends and giving the vantage of uh, a U.S. Senator to the man who just broke the European Union. We'll have to cause a little bit more trouble on future episodes. That is our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security Pack plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.